It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. How amazing is the vagina? I mean, seriously. It makes way for intoxicating pleasure. It lubricates and cleans itself. It can even, if we so choose to procreate, push out tiny humans. Wow, right? In recent years, though, it seems like women are spending a lot more time attempting to change their pubic area or enhance, some people believe, than marvel at its wonder. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and today we are going to talk about vagina futzing and high heels, which may be a little more related than you think, kind of, sort of. But first, speaking of vagina wonder, last week I attended a phenomenal performance of the Vagina Monologues, one of my very favorite plays, at the Atwater Village Theater. It was directed by longtime radio legend Stina Metal. Just love her, uh, who also performs in the show. If you are in the LA area, you can still see it. Yay, this weekend. They wrap up on June 13th. Uh, tickets are $25 and proceeds benefit anti abuse charities V Day and Protect. It's fantastic, fantastic. A big celebrity cast, um, a different one each week. See it if you can. It's so, so good. I had the honor of chatting with some of its performers after the show, starting with Ms. Stina Metal herself, who is an LA entertainment icon. She's the star of today's Arouse Your Life segment. Listen to this clip to see why. What an incredible night. I'm, I was blown away. It was so beautiful. Why is this show so important to you? Um, I did the vagina monologues for the very first time in New York on my 39th birthday. And I had taken a big break from being a stage actress to work in television and film and then radio. And I had never been on stage in New York. And I'm from New Haven, Connecticut. And so it was such a coming home, and it was such a coming back, and it made me remember that I'm always going to be a New Yorker, and I'm always going to be an actress, and the stage is my home, and it changed my life. And so uh, then I did it out here with a celebrity cast at the Kirk Douglas, and then I realized that what I really needed was to direct it. I, I, I got my uh, daily radio show, The Sheena Metal Experience, and, and all I, w- I was thinking about was, I got to direct this, I got to direct this. And the first two years of putting a, you know, 16 hours a week together at a new radio station kind of consumed my life. But in the meantime, I was meeting all these wonderful actresses. So four years ago, I decided to do it, and I did it in Sherman Oaks at a place that was really close to the studio, because our studio is in Sherman Oaks. And I, I remember I was sitting at my computer, and I had never asked the actresses for anything except come do my radio show and let me promote you. And I was just about to hit send, and I thought, you are crazy. None of these actresses are going to come and do this for you. And then I just pretty much sat there and cried at the outpouring of people who came and did it. And I had, I had Lee Merriweather, and I had Eileen Graff, and Adrian Barbeau, and Michael Learned, and Linda Pearl. And I, all these women that trusted me, and I didn't want any of them to know I had never directed anything <laughs> before. And so I just did it on the fly and just jumped in like I do with everything. And then in 2012, my friend Gates McFadden asked me to join the board of directors here at Ensemble Studio Theater LA, where she was at the time the artistic director. And I wanted to do it because I believe so much in her and our chairman of the board, Jenny O'Hara. 
and that was it. I thought I'm going to bring it here, and now we've done it here three years. And it's, it's in my home. This space is my home. And these girls have all been on the show. And now Lee Merriweather tonight has done it four times in a row for me. Uh, Deborah Wilson tonight, four times in a row. Last week I had Rosemary Alexander. She's done every one. Um, I mean, basically when they're in town, they do it. And it, That is really powerful and beautiful. And you could really feel uh, a connectedness with everyone. Is each performance each year, how different is it? Every single show is completely different. This is my 14th show total, and it's my uh, 11th as an actor. I mean, sorry, it's my 14th as an actor, my 11th as a director. And every single show is different, and every single show is beautiful. There has never been a bad performance. There's never been an actress that was trouble. There's never been anybody that I wasn't better friends with after it was over. It's all about love and community and tribe and I approach everything from that, that aspect. And sometimes in this business, people look at me like I'm kind of the woo-woo crazy lady with the crystal ball, with the crystal in my vagina. <laughs> but I have to tell you, I don't know. To me, art and spirituality and love are all the same thing. Yes. And I don't know how to do one without the other. So I feel my way through it. I, I cast based on the energy of the actresses. We don't rehearse very much. I throw them into this. And I just trust them to trust their best instincts as actors. And every time, uh, I've never had a, not a standing ovation. This is, our, this is our, um, our 11th standing ovation. Oh, my gosh. The big O. And our 11th sold-out house. That is incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. And your monologue was so powerful. It, did, is that one that you typically do? Is it? It's all I've ever done. I always do really? it. Really? It's, it's my It's thing. so you. It's almost like you wrote it. <laughs> do, you believe, do you feel what the because your monologue starts out i'm angry and it goes through so i love the points it makes about thongs and you know tampons and all of this are those personal beliefs that you connect with um you know i grew up having a lot of gyno surgeries i had a lot a reconstructive surgery when i was 16 and then i had i've had nine my hysterectomy was the ninth hopefully that's the last because nothing's left so I spent my adolescence and, and my early 20s and then in my mid-40s with the hysterectomy, you know, living with this sort of these gynecological anomalies and spending my life, you know, with knowing everything about that area that nobody should have to know at 16. So I think it's funny because it, it is kind of my experience in a way, except I have like the least angry vagina ever. <laughs> what, what, is, what mood is your vagina? My vagina is just like, it's kind of a take what you can get, enjoy the experience, hope somebody pays attention to you, kind of a vagina. I, uh, when I first did the show as an actor in New York, I was a little nervous that I wasn't, I hadn't had enough bad things happen to me. And it took me a while to sort of identify, obviously, with everybody that's, that has had those experiences. And I've certainly had actresses that I directed that have had them and have worked with actors, alongside actresses that have had them. But um, when I got involved with V-Day and, and Eve's message and I realized what a movement it is, then I realized that all of us as women have had some kind of experience that we can identify with. You know, my mom was date raped in the 50s and didn't even tell me till I was 25 years old. Mm. So I think that everybody knows one of the women in this show, if not more. And that's the most important thing. And that, that those of us that maybe haven't had those atrocities happen to them, we need to be allied and unite. Make sure that nothing ever happens again to, to any woman 
or any human being for any reason. And, you know, global human equality should be all of our mission and, and the end of violence. And, and Eve Ensler is a typical example of somebody, I think, who wrote a show for herself to get on Broadway, and which she did. The show was a huge hit off Broadway. And then realized that underneath the creativity of it, there was a higher human purpose waiting for her. And fell into that and embraced that with such beauty and grace. And now that is more her mission than being a creative entity. And I, I, would, I would like to say that, I, that that's happened to me as well. And my goal in life is to realize that the art is beautiful, but that we're given talent so that we can do something with them. Yes. And that's the important thing, you know. That is so beautiful. And I think it's so universal. When I was watching, I really felt so strongly that these were these women's stories. And as it progressed, I felt like these are all of our stories. These are, we all, whether we have been raped, whether we have, we all carry that shame and we're all united both in the uh, glory and the struggle and I just think that that's the most beautiful thing and it's such a gift and you are such a gift and it's because of you that this is such an amazing experience so thank you for letting me be here it was so incredible please come every year and, and, and thank you for doing what you do She's such an inspiring and funny person, right? I had such a blast chatting with her. Next, I chatted with Lee Merriweather, who's another living legend. Uh, before her TV and film career, she was crowned Miss San Francisco, Miss California, and Miss America. Uh, she, you may have seen her on the new Andy Griffith show and Mission Impossible. She's been nominated for a Golden Globe and an Emmy. Her monologue was about being in the room when her character's grandchild was born. This one is, is short, and there's a little bit of a... Uh, crowd noise behind it, but I think you can still hear her. Your monologue was so beautiful. What did it mean to you to, to present tonight? Well, it was it, it was amazing. It touched me mainly because I I was unable to have Novocaine when I was giving birth to both my daughters, and I asked for them to the doctor, and he was very nice. He was really wonderful. Uh, I I said, could I have a mirror? Could I mean so that I could really see? Not not that I could hold it like I do in the dentist's office, but could I see? And they said, we're gonna do that for you, Lee. Okay. They set up a mirror, so there I was in the stirrups, and I'm watching exactly what I described in this monologue. Now, the monologue was written by, you know... um, Yes, yes, definitely. But, I mean, it it was an experience she had, but mine was along the same lines, except that it was my child being born. Next, I talked to Frances Fisher. Uh, she's a British-born American actress who's portrayed strong women in film and TV since the early 1980s with roles in Unforgiven, Titanic, House of Sand and Fog, and a whole lot more. It was such a moving piece. And as I understand it, you said it, it, it changes. So tell me about that. What was the, the nature of the piece? Eve, Eve Ensler, every year, writes a new spotlight monologue. And uh, this year... The title of it was, is, My Revolution is in the Body. And it talks about a woman who is not going to wait anymore. The revolution is in her body and it moves through her and she's not going to put up with shit anymore. (laughs) She's going to speak her mind and she's going to 
fight against things that are wrong, like fracking and drilling and all that, and rape and misogyny and and uh, child molestation and all those horrible evils that are happening in the world. D- did you feel a connection to all of the other pieces as well? Oh, my God. The women in this, what we had 26 women. I've never seen the vagina monologues done this way. It's usually four or five women doing a number of monologues. But to see 26 unique individual women from all, all walks of life, all colors, all nationalities, all uh, looks, their looks are different, but the one central thing is about loving yourself. That's what I took away from watching everybody's monologues. Love yourself, and you can love others. Amen. Lastly, I talked to a pair of sisters, Sherry and Sandra Curry, who made me laugh so much on stage and off. Sherry Ann Curry is a musician, singer, songwriter, actress, and artist. She was the lead vocalist of the super famous rock band, The Runaways, in the 70s. I spoke with Sherry first. You'll hear Sandra chiming in partway through. You were fabulous tonight. I loved all the different words and, that we, women use to describe their vaginas. And I know they all came from actual interviews. Did any of the words kind of stick out to you as a, as a personal favorite? <laughs> you know what? I, I hadn't heard any of them. It was all new to me, except cooch, coochie. <laughs> really? Coochie, coochie, coochie. Yeah, something like that. I'm from Minnesota where we don't even say it. We just go... You're just like point yeah. or whisper or... <laughs> I mean, what I had to say, I, but what the other gals, you know, said, I, I remembered some of those. But you know what? I'm, I'm so straight-laced, you know. So, so, so vagina is actually the word that you would use? Pussy. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. But, you know, you get, like, when you hit menopause, you just stop talking about it. Because it, you know, it just doesn't work anymore in the brain. It's kind of a relief, actually. Really? Oh, yeah. You know, only once in a blue moon do you kind of go, oh, I had a tingle down there. <laughs> I think it's like another maybe, monologue. Maybe, I, maybe baby. I could do something about this now. Oh, it's been a year or two, maybe. No, no. Honestly, I had a tingle this morning. Very, very weird. I went, ooh, I should do something about Oh, it went right over my shoulder. And I didn't think about it again. <laughs> And do you know what okay. it was? I'll tell you what it was. It was AT&T. I have AT&T U-verse. And they upgraded me this morning. You have to press a thing. And when you're fast-forwarding, the little women will know this. The little arrow goes boing and comes back. Boing, comes back. Boing, comes back. And I was watching that and I went, ooh, I got a little tingle down there. I should do something. Oh, oh. Sorry, what, what what do you want, dogs? You need food? You should be, you'll be she dead. should be the spokesperson for AT&T. Do you know how many things you'd sell by saying that? AT&T commercials pretty soon. Yeah. AT&T should draft you. I think so, too. It was truly a boink, 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 and it got me going. You know? I mean, I don't know. Something in the head. That tells me that you're even menopausal. There still is a lot of magic there. Very true story. Honey, it's been so long since I've been with the man. Oh, they kept it in I have to remind myself I even have a vibrator in my house. I mean, I honest to God, I, I don't think about it. I don't do. I mean, I used to really care. 
Well, maybe being around all this, the China power is oh, part definitely. of the reason too. I guess I'll go home tonight and maybe do something, what I was thinking about. I'll, I'll watch AT&T and watch, I'll, I'll fast forward and watch the boink, 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 and then maybe I'll go do something about it. Maybe. So powerful, and you were such a dynamic and engaging performer. Oh, thank you. What did you love most uh, about the monologue? I couldn't. Well, <laughs> I got to tell some secrets. <laughs> were they your secrets? Well, not exactly, but some of them could be. Slow Down was a good one. Yes. Yes, so your monologue basically had, it was two words, these women were asked, what would your vagina say in two words, is that right? Yeah. So what would your vagina say in two words? What's one of them that resonated with you? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Slower, more, ah. <laughs> Those are all good ones. Those are all great ones. <laughs> I just love that. They were, they were just a riot. Sandra, who had the wonderful laughter in the background and chimed in, has starred in over 110 TV shows, including ER, Cheers, Murder, She Wrote, The Golden Girls, and a bunch of movies. Uh, She also has a role on Tyler Perry's Love Thy Neighbor on OWN. So exciting. And there's a moral to that story that Sherry and Curry shared. I think we need to keep our vibrators out in the open so we don't forget about them. I will never look at AT AT&T universe the same. So great. And I lied. I actually do have one more clip for you all, which ties into our, our vagina futzing theme quite well. I talked to Kim Rhodes, who has appeared on two soap operas, Another World and As the World Turns. She's also known for playing Sheriff Jody Mills on Supernatural. She performed a monologue about pubic hair. I think it's actually called hair, uh, which was actually about so much more, as you'll see. Um, Partway in, you'll hear a few words from um, Gretchen Bonaducci. She's a reality TV star and former wife of Danny Bonaducci of the Partridge family. Parrot was amazing. Thank you. Really, I and I think that there's so much taboo still around having pubic hair, right? That's you know, it's funny because the the piece to me is not even remotely about hair. It's more about what we are willing to sacrifice for. It, it, believing it's our fault, believing it's my job, believing it's, and it's funny because that actually hit me halfway through the monologue tonight. I was like, ah, ha, ha, talking about, wait a minute, I'm really fucking pissed. Wait a minute, I did, when, when there's a line in it about he clipped me and there was blood in the bathtub and for some reason, I've done this twice for vagina monologues and for some reason tonight that hit me and I was like, I bled for him and he was cheating on me. Fuck you, motherfucker. Yes! Yes, that's so true. I think we felt your epiphany, too. It was really powerful. And it's so interesting how we can see in other women, we all see the fuck you from the outside so much easier. But when it's ourselves, we feel guilty and we feel the shame. And Well, and even, like, there's a the therapist says, well, you know, it's a compromise. So you do what he wants you to do. How is that a compromise? Exactly. The compromise should be me and then he stops screwing other women. Tell me you don't want to see the show. Amazing, right? For links and more information on tickets and everything else, make sure you stop by my website, augustmclaughlin.com. you got to see this show on the 13th if you can. I love what Kim said because it applies to so many aspects of female sexuality, including how we groom and express ourselves and our sexuality. Uh, in research conducted in the UK last year, get this, half of the female participants who were ages 26 to 35 could not locate the their vagina in a medical drawing. 
wow. Most weren't even comfortable saying the words vagina or vulva. Um, they all preferred slang. And less than a quarter felt they were informed about vaginal health conditions. Crazy, right? Meanwhile, in the U.S., where there is less sex education, women seem to be altering their vaginas at an all-time high. I wrote about this for Dame Magazine for an article which was such an enjoyable um, experience. I really learned a lot. And based on that article, here are some of the kind of treatments and enhancements and whatever you want to call them that women are kind of doing by the masses. You may relate to some. uh, Some may shock you. I was surprised by a few. The first is vaginal douching and steaming. I'm sure you've all heard of douching, right? Uh, If you live in L.A. or have followed Gwyneth Paltrow in the media or on her website Goop, you have definitely heard of steaming. Um, Up to 40% of American women ages 15 to 44 report douching regularly. It's basically a method used to wash out the vagina. You can buy these, um, you know, off uh, uh, over-the-counter mixes. Basically, it's powder that you put into water or there's liquid you can buy. Some people make their own. Women use them to feel fresher, to change their odor, to wash away menstrual blood, and even as an attempt to prevent pregnancy and STDs, although none of uh, those medical claims are actually proven. And really think about this. Changing the aroma of your vagina. Shouldn't vaginas smell like vaginas? Uh, the vagina also cleans itself, which is this crazy, awesome superpower, right? It needs a natural, unmessed with environment to stay healthy. So if you take away one thing from this is if you're douching, consider not douching. Again, this freaky little tidbit. In the 1950s, companies, including Lysol, gave the impression that vaginas are dirty and smelly and Basically, in order to be a good housewife, like there's actual marketing campaigns I've seen that show this, that women have to keep their vagina and whole genital area as squeaky clean as her kitchen. Yeah, that that would piss people off enough to not use it nowadays, I hope. (laughs) If not, consider these risks. Douching is associated with um, vaginal irritation and swelling, bacterial vaginosis, which is a really common infection, uh, sexually transmitted infections, so actually it could increase your risk for these things, and pelvic inflammatory disease. If you douche to treat some of these symptoms like burning or itching or swelling, you're more likely to have worse symptoms. And changing that scent, changing the smell of your vagina can actually get rid of body's chemicals that increase sexual desire. You know, those pheromones that actually men and um, women, depending on who you are attracted to, can actually feel less attracted to you. So in other words, your girl boners need them. Uh, So try to embrace those smells. And if there's a really strange smell that could be, you know, a sign of an infection or something. So I would see the doctor. But in general... You know, we should we should really be we don't need to have perfume smell down there. Um, steaming is very similar to douching. Only you basically sit or squat over a bowl of hot water infused with these herbs that are supposedly detoxifying. The main risk seems to just be a big waste of money. Um, but some doctors that I talked to said that it could contribute to infections and irritation. And of course, if you get too close to the steam, you could get burned, which is really not cool. So. Please don't douche. Please don't steam. Save steaming for healthier things like, you know, broccoli and cauliflower and stuff. Uh, Number three, uh, waxing and shaving. So, you know, most of us shave at least our legs. Sometimes we shave um, around our pubic area to just groom a little bit. Uh, Very common, as is waxing. Research published in the American Journal of um, Obstetrics. 
I can't say it, obstetrics and gynecology in February 2014 showed that most women groom away some or all of their pubic hair and over half who do experience some kind of complication. So that could be something minor like a little bit of, um, you know, the kind of carpet burn, no pun intended, or it could be something more serious like an infection. Uh, And then there's the obvious complication of waxing, that excruciating pain. Uh, This is totally a personal preference. And, you know, it's not as risky as the other habits, which is very good. So if you're doing these things, just be really careful. But I do think it's important to, you know, think about this kind of message that we have from this sort of cultural uh, norm to get rid of, of pubic hair. If you've been listening to Girl Boner for a while, you may remember my interview with Cindy Gallup of Make Love Not Porn. She's fabulous. And she talked about how shocking pubic hair has become to young men who have only seen women without any hair down there um, in porn. And she also said that, you know, many guys like it and many women want it. So it really should be what makes you feel the most comfortable. I personally like to have some barrier there for protection. You know, it's it actually does have a bit of a role. It's protecting some very, very sensitive skin. So uh, again, just be careful if you're doing these things. I interviewed Dr. David A. Rivera. He's a physician in Illinois for my article, and he told me this. He said, whether waxing or shaving, one is creating micro tears in the skin He also told me that teenagers all the time come in to see him with uh, inflammation of the hair follicles. It's called folliculitis. He also brought up that uh, hilarious but very painful scene of the 40-year-old virgin. Who can forget that? Uh, If waxing is worth the pain, again, just just be careful. Uh, Laser hair removal is an option if you want to bypass the pain and you can afford it. Electrolysis is so popular that the FDA can't even keep up. So you know how they they don't do the testing, but they report on testing and safety and stuff like that. So it's possible that, you know, the equipment that's being used, if you have a treatment, hasn't been tested or reported to FDA, that kind of stuff. Um, And one thing to note also that a lot of women don't realize is that electrolysis isn't necessarily permanent. So you could end up having to do it more often. Then you realize uh, it can also cause pain, swelling, and blistering. Um, Manufacturers often claim that there are no known long-term side effects of laser treatment. That's pretty misleading, I found, because there actually haven't been any long-term studies. So, again, you know, it's probably safe. I I can't speak for that from a scientific standpoint, but a lot of people do it. I just would be, you know, take caution. We kind of take for granted things that – are available to us, especially if it's kind of in a medical setting, that it's going to be super safe and pain-free and stuff like that. And it's not necessarily. (laughs) I have to admit this next one makes me smile. It's like decorating your Christmas tree, but girl boner style. It's called vajazzling or vajazzling. And it's basically bedazzling your vagina or the area above it. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt gushed over it, no pun intended, on the George Lopez show back in January. And she said, quote, it made her precious lady shine like a disco ball. It's a super trendy practice, at least in like Beverly Hills and certain areas, that involves the application of these crystals that are sticky in a large pattern or design. Um, Usually it's on freshly waxed skin. So... Because obviously they, they don't want there to be hair there so that they can make the surface. Um, it's pretty pricey. I guess it typically costs more than $100 and it only lasts like five days. So, you know, it doesn't last as long or, or 
save you as much money as it would be decorating your house with Christmas lights. But if you really want to do it, you know, just be careful. Give yourself a little bit of break between the waxing and the jewels. Um, According to Dr. Suzanne Merrill Natch, she's a San Diego-based gynecologist, and she said that if you do this service or you have this service done to you, um, shortly after waxing, you create an environment for bacteria to grow. So this raises your risk for infections. The last and most extreme futzing we're going to cover today is cosmetic surgery. Vaginas vary greatly, right, in shape, size, appearance. So as I was reading about all these different surgeries that actually a lot of really young women are having to try to look a particular way, I've wondered, you know, what are they trying to look like? Like what what do they feel is problematic or what is the flaw they're seeing? And I don't know what they're comparing it to. Is it the images that they see in porn? Is it something that a partner suggests to them? I'm not really sure, but they're really sadly popular. Uh, And I'm not talking about the surgeries for functional problems because those are really important for health. Like if you're struggling with urinary incontinence, there's some vaginal surgery that can actually approve that, and that's great. But elective and cosmetic procedures are considered highly controversial among medical experts because of the risks, and there's also a huge lack of data on safety and effectiveness. So you could go through all that and then maybe not get the perks you were hoping for. One of the more common is called vaginoplasty, um, otherwise known as vaginal rejuvenation. I've seen ads for this. Uh, I think I've seen some TV commercials for it. And, you know, the premise sounds like it makes sense. Like they say that, you know, especially a woman after childbirth or after aging wants a tighter vagina. I've also seen products at the, you know, sex toy store for this, like that are supposed to kind of like you know, shrink your vagina area down and make it tighter. Uh, But plastic surgeons who sell vaginoplasty and conduct it, they claim that this procedure actually improves sensitivity, but that's been challenged by all kinds of physicians. Its popularity increased by 64% just in 2011. That's huge, right? And I guess younger and younger girls. I actually uh, heard from a couple of doctors who said that 16 to 18-year-olds were coming in to to inquire about this. Um, That makes me pretty sad. You know, their bodies are still developing. And whether it rejuvenates, again, is is so questionable. So if you've had this procedure and it's been a great experience, I'd actually love to hear from you because I haven't uh, come across success stories um, or, you know, physicians who had people that I could speak to about it. If it does help you and it's worth it, then that, you know, that's obviously great. And all of these things, like if you've had one of these procedures, it didn't go well, don't don't shame yourself for it. These are being really heavily marketed to us. Um, risks associated with vaginoplasty include potential infections, chronic pain, scarring. You could also have permanent loss of a sensation down in your vaginal area. So in other words, the very procedure that's marketed and sold with hope of increased sensitivity could lead to the opposite effect. So you really have to look into these things if you're considering them, the safety. Uh, and I think even more importantly is asking why are we doing it? Like why why does this appeal uh, sometimes, if it's a deeper issue, for example, it's it's a lot like weight loss. So you you're not going to suddenly be happy by losing weight, right? A lot of times, if we want to change our weight or change our appearance, there's something underneath it. You know, there's some deeper insecurity that needs to be dealt with. Maybe we're not fulfilled in our relationships with others or our personal lives, our professional lives, uh, whatever that is. We can't fix that by fixing something on the outside or changing something on the outside. 
So one of the questions that all of this raises, right, is, is this like we have all these wonderful choices and how great for us to have all these wonderful choices of things we can do with our vaginas and our vulvas and all this? Or do they go too far? I think personally, when I was kind of pondering all of these factors, I wondered about the specifics, you know, not only the reason, but you know, the extremes that some women are willing to go, um, the expense, and, and also the time and energy that we put into these kinds of things. There was actually this great piece in the Vaginal Monologues when I saw it here at the Atwater Theater um, performed by um, Kirsten Vagnes. She's fabulous. She's the one who plays the um, computer genius Penelope Garcia on Criminal Minds. She's incredible. And her monologue just brought me to tears. It's called My Short Skirt. So beautifully done. She's so talented. And the message of the monologue is essentially whatever is under your skirt, under your clothes, it's nobody's but your own nobody's, you know, wearing certain clothes or in this case, in this conversation, having certain treatments done to our bodies or genitals. None of that says anything about who we are as people. It doesn't give other people the right to judge or shame or hurt us. None of that. The monologue goes well beyond things like, you know, waxing. It's not, it's more talking about like sexual violence and and rape. But I do think that that message kind of applies on a a broad um, level. So your vagina is yours to decorate, to alter, to embrace, however you so choose. I just hope that whatever reasons you have for, you know, for changing come from a healthy and happy place. Just don't wax or shave or go under the knife for for somebody else or because certain industries say to, you know, you don't have to um, have surgery out of insecurity, you know, which is often an attempt to fix something that isn't broken and no amount of change in that way can heal that inner hurt. Instead, work on yourself, work on embracing what you have and then make decisions on, you know, changes you might want to try because I think that makes a big difference, like where we are emotionally. Uh, If you've already made changes, again, don't beat yourself up over these either. You know, I'd venture to guess that most of us have to some degree, right? We've made compromises or we've done things that are painful. You know, they say beauty is pain. I, I don't think that that's true. I think real beauty is, is not. But I do think that we have to, um, you know, work through a lot of these issues. And it's very complicated for women in our culture, you know, for for all of these different reasons. Like culture makes us, our society makes us feel less attractive or less valuable if we don't look a certain way. But you can face and overcome those insecurities. I know you can because you're brilliant and unique and capable. And I just have no doubt. I, I don't have to know you personally to know that. I just know that you can move forward and that the hardest work that you could do on yourself, the biggest steps you can take to embrace yourself are the most important work you can do. It really does empower you to live a fuller life and make a difference to other people as well. So I have a related question to to ask of you all. Do you wear high heels regularly? Could you go a year without them? Okay, so you may have heard recently that there were women who were turned away from Cannes Film Festival last month for showing up in flats. Aggravating, right? Like no woman should be judged for, first of all, wearing safer shoes, you know. So when I heard about that, I was definitely, you know, angered by it. But I was also really envious of the women, the women who wore the flats. I thought, oh, my gosh, I couldn't go to an event like that in flats. It would have taken courage for me. So I have to wonder why. And I started to kind of investigate my own beliefs about 
height and heels and, you know, why I wear heels. I don't wear them as often as I used to. I I wrote a blog post about my experience with heels starting um, in my late teens and into my early 20s. I mean, I wore them everywhere. I pounded the city in New York in them. And I decided that even though I don't wear heels as much as I used to, there are scenarios where I feel like, oh, my gosh, like actually, admittedly, today I feel really short. I do because I usually wear like my favorite boots when I go into the studio and they have this clunky heel. They're not stilettos or anything. But so I'm wearing these flat, 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 flat flats. They're like really cute camping shoes. It's kind of what they look like. But I just felt shrimpy and I thought, oh my gosh. So I've been looking into why we wear heels, the history of heels, all kinds of stuff. And of course, I launched a campaign about it because I'm a total masochist. Like the thing that sounds to me so hard, like could you go a year without heels? That sounded scary. So I'm doing it. Um, I'm calling it my heel free campaigns, hashtag heel free. It's not to shame anybody for wearing heels. If you wear them and you love them, great. I'm missing them a little bit. Um, I'm learning about myself, and uh, I'm going to share more about my journey along the way on my blog. We're going to do a couple episodes here in the coming months with um, some podiatrists and some other experts. And I'd also love it if you join me. If you wear heels and you want to give them up with me, awesome. Join me. You can find out details on my blog. Or if you want to just show you know, your support by posting a picture in your favorite flats, um, put that hashtag, tag me if you can so I can find it. And if you happen to own or know of a shoe company that offers fantastic flats, you know, clogs, like low, low boots that don't put your foot in an angle, I would love to wear and promote them. I've got, you know right around 50,000 people who check out my stuff um, per month. And I would love to be able to promote what I do and your company uh, and kind of do a little cross promotion. So definitely hit me up if you're interested. And my website address is augustmclaughlin.com. And now back to vaginas. And to start today's Ask Dr. Megan segment, yes, vaginas are absolutely freaking amazing, but that doesn't mean we don't occasionally face challenges, right? A fabulous listener, Isabel, submitted this very poignant question. She wrote to me and said, I am very capable of orgasms, give them to myself all the time, and my ex and I had a truly explosive sex life. I've been with my gorgeous boyfriend for over a year who is great at everything, but for whatever reason, his dick cannot find my G-spot. I honestly at this point think it's a physical issue. My vibrator finds it in like 20 seconds, and it goes in so far so that, that it, I know that it definitely is not a size issue. Okay, so she's basically saying um, she can find it. She knows that you know her guy's um, penis is plenty big enough to, to reach it. She says she's talked to her guy about this. Um, they're pretty open. She doesn't lie about climaxing. But she also feels like it plays on his manhood. She tries to walk around it delicately. And she said that uh, she's also feeling a bit failureish for not being able to find the angle. She's so turned on by him, and she doesn't think it has anything to do with um, kind of the, the mindset. She thinks it's a physical thing. So I talked with Dr. Megan about this and another question from a listener. We chatted yesterday, and here's what she had to say. Well, Isabel, I agree. I think that once you guys figure it out, um, it's going to be second nature to make it happen again. Um, and I also think that um, 
it could absolutely be an angle issue. And so one of the things is to have him explore G-spot stimulation with massage using his hands so that he really is familiar with how you like to be stimulated. And I think it's important. This isn't like GPS looking for a specific spot. It's really an area of tissue to massage that typically is about one and a half to two inches um, inside the vagina. It's, you know, sort of if his fingers were in facing up toward the belly button, it's past the hardness of the pubic bone where it gets soft, where your belly from the inside, that's the area that he's stroking. And I think it's important to recognize what often feels good is the massaging aspects, not the in and out thrusting. So if he's not achieving that with penetration, it could be it's sort of the angle that might not be working or you're not doing more of the rocking motion, which would be more massaging than the in and out thrusting. Um, so three sexual positions, which if you haven't already tried, definitely help get that angle right, would be doggy style cowgirl where you're saddling him and sitting on him and rocking um, or with your legs over his shoulders. So it sounds like you've approached that a lot with the angles, but having him explore it and know what it looks and feels like with his hand first, I think, and then going back to these positions would be a great place to start. Awesome advice. Those are, those are fantastic. And I think really um, practical, you know, and fun to try too. Uh, our next question here comes from J.R., a listener who's in recovery from addiction to prescription medications, which has to be really tough. Um, she's also facing the end of her marriage. J.R. writes this, I have no friends who've gone through this and I'm feeling more than a little alone. Plus, I still have a lot of weird symptoms left over after withdrawal from the medication I've been taking. So I have worries that I'll never be able to do what I did and as a result, never find love. What kinds of things help a woman pick herself up after the horrors of separation and divorce? We've been together 20 years, so you can imagine how hard this is on my psyche. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like there's many things going on here. Not only is it the end of a 20-year marriage, um, but it's also that it sounds like she's in recovery and we don't yet know for how long. Um, so that's one thing I'd have her think about. It, it's, it's a stressful, both are stressful life events. And typically when someone's in recovery, they say not to try on big new changes for a year. So she might really want to spend this year getting that support. So I don't know if she's in an A, an a program or maybe it's a divorce support with other women going through the same experience. But I think spending this year focusing on herself and getting support um, is what's going to really reinforce her recovery and also to help her recognize that how now is she handling stressful events most people are using as a way of coping with stress. So I would definitely have you think about like what are the five healthy go-tos that, you know, taking a walk, I don't know if you have a pet, what are the healthy things you do when you're stressed out? Um, because ultimately dating and thinking about having sex with someone after it's been 20 years is like a whole new territory. Um, and it's both, it can be anxiety inducing, but it's completely normal. It's sort of exciting and scary at the same time. So I think it's important that she, I hear some anxiety about, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to sort of be who I was or do what I used to do. And I'm not sure what she's feeling um, incapable of, or if there's anything specific on any physical level because of, um, her years of abuse. But what I would say is for really to think about herself at best and all that she does have to offer and really make a list of those things and keep it sort of top of mind, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, being a companion, being loyal, being trustworthy, uh, trying new things, being adventurous. Uh, it's really important that she doesn't lose sight of all that she has to offer. Um, and that when it feels like the right time, 
that dating can be a fun experience, although completely new. So having those girlfriends alongside so you can laugh and cry through it, I think makes all the difference in the world. Ain't that the truth? No matter what we're going through, uh, Jr. and uh, our, our earlier question from Isabel, both of you ladies, I'm just sending you all the best. I hope you can find all the pleasure and healing that you deserve. Thank you so much for sharing your questions. Remember, you can join Dr. Megan and I at the very first Girl Boner Twitter party. Join us and the whole Artemis Film Festival crew led by the wonderful Melanie Wise, who was a guest here a couple of months ago. Uh, We're going to be chatting on Thursday, June 18th, starting at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Simply head over to Twitter at the start of the party and search for the hashtag WomenKickAss. We'll be exploring the theme strong is sexy until 8 p.m. and I'm going to be doing a Q&A with Dr. Megan so it'll be a really fun way to kind of mix and mingle with awesome folks. For more Girl Boner fun and related links and resources connect with me as well on Facebook, Twitter, and my blog. If you haven't yet, you can keep listening by uh, subscribing on iTunes and you get the episodes first. So before they're released anywhere else, subscribers get them. And I'm really grateful to all of you who've left um, reviews and ratings there while you are um, checking out iTunes. Speaking of which, special thanks to T.T. Tyler who left an awesome review recently. I so appreciate your support. Be sure to join me next week as we explore topless yoga, which is even sexier than you might think, and body image with Emily Nolan of My Kind of Life. And gosh, you're just going to love her. I can't wait. She's such an inspiring voice. And I'm actually going to be having a more um, full interview with Dr. Megan about body image. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.